0: Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Mabel Wadsworth Center, providing comprehensive sexual and reproductive health services to people in northern and eastern Maine since 1984. Insurance, Maine care, self-pay accepted, and reduced fees for uninsured clients. MabelWadsworth.org. You're listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming all over the place at WERU.org. Stay tuned now for Healthy Options with your host, Rhonda Feynman.
1: Good morning. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and our guest today on Healthy Options is Melissa Violet. She's a board-certified neurologic music therapist, at Birch Bay Retirement Village and Mount Desert Island Hospital in Bar Harbor, Maine. Melissa Violet has 26 years of music therapy experience working in adult mental health settings and with a wide range of clients, including people with dementia, developmental disabilities, and homeless veterans. She's also director of the American Music Therapy Association National Roster of Music Therapy people in Maine. I guess this is a brand new thing in Maine, and uh, the use of music therapy is new in the state, and we want to know all about that, and we'll learn more about that as we as we have our uh, conversation for the next hour here on Healthy Options. So, without missing a beat, how about that? We'd like to welcome Melissa Violet to Healthy Options. Melissa, we're happy you could join us here today at WERU. Thank you
0: so much, Rhonda. I am so thrilled to be on your show. I really enjoy your show. I think it's a wonderful service to the community.
1: Well, great. Thank you. Um so let's talk a little bit about music therapy and you know people may have an idea that well what do you do? Just how does this work? Tell me a little bit about yeah. what music therapy is.
0: I will. Yeah, there is a lot of confusion about it, but it is a really amazing thing. Put very simply, what music is, is, music therapy is, is the art and science of meeting non-musical goals through the use of using music therapeutically. Um, the American Music Therapy Association has an official definition, and they would say it is the clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within a the therapeutic relationship. By credentialed professional, such as myself, (laughs) who has completed an approved music therapy program, and I can break that down so that it makes more sense. But that's the official definition Mm -hmm. for people. Um, And but before I I get into that a little bit more, I will say that our profession has been around since the 1950s. Even though I think most people are just starting to learn about it, Um, it started in the VA hospitals. believe it or not, and um, I think that's pretty neat. Although I know that humanity has really been using music therapy since the beginning of time, (laughs) when you think about it. Well, Um,
1: going into chants, going into uh, various altered states, changing moods and and such uh, in many different cultures, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes,
0: yes. In fact, uh, they have found that we use music even um, before humanity, they found uh, a bone flute that was created by Neanderthals. So, I mean, who knows uh-huh. how long we've we've actually been using music? They say Charles Darwin actually said that he believed humans used music before language. So. But anyway, back
1: to what music therapy is. No, this is fantastic. Uh, I think this is exactly (laughs) the kind of thing that we like to talk about here on uh, Unhealthy Options. We like to discuss (laughs) Neanderthals, Melissa. I can
0: go down so many rabbit holes. I have to stay focused. (laughs) Okay, very
1: good. We'll we'll work Um, on it together. (laughs)
0: Um, But yeah, the thing about music therapy is we are evidence-based and we use research and we are clinicians and credentialed professionals, just like you know an occupational therapist or a physical therapist. We have degrees from approved universities. There's I believe seventy two universities in the country right now. And to get our degrees, we take a combination of courses that involve everything from, of course, music. like a regular music major but also courses in psychology anatomy and physiology Um, it's a real combination uh, as well as of course music therapy theory so we do practicums during our our schooling and then we end our schooling with a six-month internship and you need to have at least a bachelor's to become a music therapist and then you have to uh, pass certification board which is pretty hard because it combines all of these things. Um, and then you have to, of course, like every other you know, pr- clinician out there, you have to keep up your CEUs to maintain it. Um, and, it's, you know, you want to. You want to stay on top of your education and uh, make sure you're always state-of-the-art. Um, but music therapy is amazing because it's such a broad, broad field. It really addresses so much because music is literally all over your brain. And it is something that can address physical needs. It can address cognitive needs. It can address emotional needs, as we all know. And it's something that brings us all together. So it addresses, you know, social needs. And it really is something that also addresses spiritual needs. Because when you think about your spirituality, um, there really is no way that you can have that I think without a connection to music. Music is the thing that connects us, I think, to the infinite and to our soul. That's me. <laughs> um, so well, really, music is, is used in all these domains and music therapists can reach people using music as a tool to address goals in all these different settings.
1: Well, let's let's talk some specifics. That's It's fantastic um, that uh, that we have that, um, we have the a- access to, to all of that right here in Maine. Now, I know that there's a a new program at Mount Desert Island Hospital in Bar Harbor, right, and you've been working in a retirement community and uh, that kind of, of situation. Let's talk specifically, um, would you say, um, you know, since you've done your anatomy and physiology, uh, we know that different aspects of of This kind of music, the nonverbal, will it address different parts of our our brain, wouldn't wouldn't you say? And I've been reading, there's a great article here in Mind, Mood, and Memory. It's from Massachusetts General Hospital just this month. And it says how music plays through the fog of dementia. And they were talking... Uh, very very specifically and you have experience with this and I'd like to hear your direct experience that because music deals with a different part of the brain it's not the part of the brain that uh, is necessarily affected by Alzheimer's or dementia it's kind of the central part of the brain and we can we can really uh, access uh, people's memories and and well-being through through that part of the brain how does how do you work with that what what do you do when a client? you're dealing with the client is it a, uh maybe you can talk us through uh an intake you know a little bit about about how you would gear something towards an individual you know
0: oh yeah well um first of all i have to say that one of the important things about music therapists is that we assess everybody and everybody's particular taste in music is different so um, that's really important um when you work with dementia you always want to stick with the music that, of course, you find out is particular to that person, that person's soundtrack to their life. Everybody has their own life soundtrack, and that's really important. When you are uh, a teenager especially, and in your early 20s, your brain is (laughs) firing off a lot of hormones at that time in your life, and what happens is the music that you're listening to really sets, firmly in your brain and so later on even now um it, it's like a time capsule when you listen to it it just brings you right back there and it, it is really fantastic that even you know later on at age 99 it just brings you right back to that moment and it is one of those things that is pretty instantaneous It it's just um you can do it for yourself when you hear that song that you went to prom and danced with so-and-so with it just takes you right there it's like set in amber and um it's because of the way that it it's in your brain and the, the way that um it gosh um what? it is just i it's hard to explain well, but wh- I see it every why is day. that a good
1: thing why is that a good thing to do why? Do, why would we want to do that? What?
0: Oh, for dementia. Well, because you have in dementia um, a situation where people forget who they are, and they forget the people they're looking at. They might have a person sitting next to them that is their husband, and they might think, "Oh, that's my father." And then you might play a piece of music that reminds this person, or they they might it might spark something in their brain that says to that person, Oh, that's my husband. And then what happens is you have this time together. That is just amazing. You have this time together that is priceless, that they wouldn't have otherwise. And and that is really beautiful. Also they have the opportunity to remember their lives that way and remember who they are and remember, uh, you know, their family, and it's really important. It gives them a sense of uh, identity for a time. And, and it's really beautiful to see that cognitive retrieval.
1: So you work with that regularly, it sounds like.
0: Yes, every day. Every day.
1: So yeah. how would you access that? Is it based on, because if someone is, is lost, as we say, um, it's... Uh, do, do you just go by what, you, how old they are? You know, well, this would be the about the music. You know, we're talking big, the big band era here. I guess as we uh, as time goes, pretty soon it'll be, uh, um, you know, the Grateful Dead era or. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
0: think about that. I think about, gosh, when I'm in a nursing home, what am I going to be listening to there? I'm going to be listening to Madonna and <laughs> Metallica <laughs> and. Uh, Millennials are going to be listening to Nicki Minaj, and (laughs) it's really funny to think about. And yeah, all the images that go with that, it is really funny. Um, But yeah, you you want to think if you get somebody that you're that you're say a caregiver for, or if say somebody in it's someone you know but you don't know them that well, if it is somebody in your family, for example, you might know. Oh, this was the song they used to sing when they were younger this song reminds me of when we were kids and they would sing this to me, then you have an, emo- you know, an emotional connection and a musical connection to that time period that you can use. But if you don't, then you always want to think about general- generationally what music was in their time. What was their teenage music? What was their 20s? And then what I suggest doing is assessing it carefully. Um, what I do is I play music and I sit there and I watch the reaction to it. And almost always, you're going to get a positive reaction to what you play. But sometimes, music is very subjective, and you cannot assume that what you're going to get is positivity to every song that you think is going to be positive. For example, I had a patient who I played You Are My Sunshine for, and everybody loves You Are My Sunshine, right? You think. But she looked at me, and she said to me, I hate this song. <laughs> and I, I said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Tell me, why do you hate this song? And she said, well, my husband, during when he came back from World War II, I was spending time with my husband. We were at a group social setting. It was like a singing along type of thing. And during this song, he turned, and he started singing this song to another woman. They started singing this song to each other. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then he eventually left her for this other woman. Oh, my so, goodness.
1: Yeah. So it's so it was not it's, a happy memory.
0: No, and it's like the sweetest. It is actually kind of a sad song if you listen to the lyrics. It but is. It is. It is. And it's a very strange song. People- As a matter
1: of fact, we were singing it just the other night with a group of people. Isn't that funny? You should bring that song up. And some of the lyrics were the most bizarre. There are a whole set of lyrics that no one ever sings that we won't go into now. But it is a very, very weird, not, <laughs> you know, not bright and sunny funny. song. There's a
0: lot of songs like that. They have one verse in the beginning that's very bright
1: from those, those older
0: Awesome. <laughs> and then the second and third verses, you're
1: just like, wow, this just took a very dark turn. And that's right. <laughs> We're going to the slippery slope. to uh, So I recommend you, would you recommend now that everybody listening start putting a list together of all the songs you really want to hear? Get your MP3 yeah. player going. Get your thumb drive so when you need it, of course, uh, you, can, uh, you can be, you know, accessed. Uh, have a, have good access cuz if you were really esoteric and really like uh, avant-garde jazz uh someone like Melissa may not know that uh, you know that in in, in would be 40 most 50 amazing. years <laughs>
0: yes. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you <laughs> no no that would be the most amazing project that you could do for yourself honestly i i think if you want to give yourself a gift anyway you could sit down and just really think back on the soundtrack of your life and start at the beginning when you were a little kid. What is the earliest song that you remember singing? What is the song you remember your parents singing to you that makes you happy, that gives you good feels? And then go through you know, the years and just think, okay, what song did I used to sing when I went to Girl Scouts? Or what song did I sing when I was in middle school? And what song did I start to, you know, associate with high school. Of course, there's a bunch there, but then go through college or think about the songs that you know. Some of them could be sad songs too. They don't all have to be happy songs. Um, that's something to think about. But if you want it to be a happy soundtrack, <laughs> well, I'll talk a little bit about that too. It yeah, is, it is really something to think about um, because when you think about taking trips back in time with those old songs that make you smile. Like I said, they really are time capsules. And if you want, say you're feeling down and you want to go back in time and feel something good, feel some warm memories that will instantly lift you up. That is a way to do it. You can think about, Oh my God, you know, I really love this song by Michael Jackson. For example, everybody loves Michael Jackson. Um, you can't Well, do well that, not
1: but, everybody, you know. But I, I know, yeah. that's true, that's true. But <laughs> Some people like Michael found, Jackson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I have found as a music therapist that he generically, just like you are my sunshine, generically he is beloved by most people. But um, anyway, the flip side is be mindful that you can, you know, bring yourself back to sad times too, which can be cathartic if you need to process them. But, um, you know, if you're trying to cheer yourself up, you want to go the other route. Um, Music is really powerful, and it's going to have a really huge effect on your mood. And, you know, if you want to go to happy, fun places, that's great. And if you want to use it to make yourself laugh when you feel like crying, you can do that. But, again, the reverse is also true, and it's really good to know what songs trigger you because there's going to be some songs that you listen to that are just going to make you cry. Um, and there's reasons for that there's reasons for that because the way that the brain processes music you know sometimes you might be for example walking through Hannaford's <laughs> or Walmart and you might hear oh, a song playing or, or or the
1: co-op yeah right yeah <laughs> wherever
0: you <laughs> yeah, are yeah yeah and you might hear a song playing um over the the radio and all of a sudden you may not have even heard this song before and you just feel your eyes start to water with tears. And you think, why is this happening? Why am I feeling this reaction to this music? I don't even know this song, but there's a reason for it. And it's because of the way the brain processes the music. Your brain is amazing. And what happens right now is you're processing what I'm saying is basically your brain is hearing all these words that I'm saying and it's going through your centers of thought and then it's going to your centers of emotion so you're you're thinking about what I'm saying and then you're think you're feeling it so you're like okay well that makes sense how do I feel about it but music actually does the complete opposite so when you hear a song you feel it first and then you think about it it does the complete opposite so that's what makes it really powerful and very cathartic Um, and so this is something else to think about. When you hear a song like that and it just kind of hits you out of nowhere and you have a strong reaction to it, it might be telling you something. It might be touching something inside you that you need to think about or process. Another thing I like to do personally that I suggest that the listeners think about doing, and it's really kind of fun and interesting and a neat way to kind of keep the pulse on what's going on inside yourself is as you listen to music, sometimes a lyric jumps out at you in a song. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, that song, Humble and Kind. Every time I listen to that song, the I lyric...
1: Well, I, people may not know what that is. What is oh, that? Oh, it's a beautiful song. Um,
0: it um, it was actually, oh gosh, the, the artist... I'm feeling so bad. His, his name is flipping right now. But, okay. Um, but anyway, there's a lyric in it, and it goes, Bitterness keeps you from flying. Always stay humble and kind. And every time I hear that lyric, it just it goes right to the center of my heart. And when I have that reaction to a lyric, no matter what it is, I keep a log in my phone because <laughs> sometimes it just happens on the spur on the fly, and I just keep a little log of lyrics like that with me. Um, and later on, you know, I look back and I think, why? Why does this affect me so deeply? And sometimes it's really obvious to me, and sometimes it makes me really think about things. It makes me more self-aware. So, um,
1: yeah, that's that's really interesting because you're talking about what lyric. It's, but the lyric with. The music, so is mm-hmm. it the lyric is so where that's it isn't is that possibly a different part of the brain? the actual verbal reading you know the lyric, but you're hearing it, so it's also going in uh right it's going in through a different part of the brain than if you were looking at it on a piece of paper or or something, and is it do you hear the music as well when you're when you yeah. read that lyric it's I all mean all combined it's language
0: ling- by itself oh. Sorry. No, no, good. We Language by itself is on your left side of your brain, but music, again, is all over your brain. So uh-huh. um, it, it triggers all kinds of stuff. And um, that's why when people, for example, have a traumatic brain injury um, and they are trying to learn how to speak again, music therapy is a tool. Yeah. Uh, it can literally... There are neurologic music therapy techniques that will help you to help your brain actually go around the damaged areas and rewire, which is amazing. How does I think is absolutely
1: amazing. Let <laughs> me, if people just tuned in, Melissa, I want to hold that thought because I definitely want to come back to that. Just want to let people know if you just tuned in that uh, I'm, uh, this is the Healthy Options Program on WERU Community Radio. I'm Rhonda Feynman. We're here with music therapist board-certified neurologic music therapist, Melissa Violet. She works at Birch Bay Retirement Village and Mount Desert Island Hospital in Bar Harbor, Maine, and she's with us today on the program. So, oh, wow, there are just so many ways to go with this. Um, talk. Let's talk about how would a specific technique go around a damaged area? How, how does that work? How do you assess that? Well, it... Um it's a very big, <laughs> big question
0: to answer. Um, the technique. Have you? Have you? Um, did you hear about Gabby Giffords by any chance?
1: Absolutely, and I think many of our listeners have. She is the uh, representative who was shot in the head, literally, at a at a gathering, a, a pub, uh, when she was visiting her community, her constituents. Someone shot her. Yes.
0: Yeah. So this is, um, she used, along with a speech therapist and her other therapies, she did music therapy, neurologic music therapy techniques. And um, she did something called melodic intonation therapy. And this treatment technique is developed for people who are having expressive aphasia and they're in rehab. And it is, um, it is used to facilitate um, spontaneous involuntary speech through sung enchanted melodies, and it's really kind of difficult to explain easily.
1: Well, can <laughs> you sing? Can you give us an sing. example? I mean, sing something for us.
0: Just break into yeah. song,
1: Melissa. We do it all the time here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a combination of um, using a tapping technique on the hand, on the left hand, uh-huh. and this has to do with the neural pathways in the brain, and um, saying things like certain speech phrases that you want to relearn to say. And it could be something easel, easily like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom, or sure. I love you. Okay. It could be something like, I'm thirsty. Okay. And there's uh, I think they usually use a minor third, if I remember correctly. And so it would be like, I love, or uh, I can't remember the interval, but I love you, I'm thirsty, and then you tap on the hand I'm thirsty and then you have that person try to sing it while you're tapping I'm thirsty I'm thirsty and they try to sing it with you because it's easier to sing than it is to speak and the singing centers of your brain can still be active when the speech centers are not and so it allows the brain to rewire around And through neuroplasticity, which is basically rewiring, the brain can heal and uh, figure out basically how to speak again. And then after you learn to sing it, it takes time, it takes practice. It doesn't happen immediately. After you learn to sing it, then you take away the singing and you just say, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. And that leads to, again, new growth and then eventually those speaking centers come back, and that's how Gabby
1: Giffords did it. Isn't that something? Yes. Yeah. And So, yes, so we are, when you say neuroplasticity, you're talking about the brain's ability to actually heal itself, to rewire, that we we didn't think that was true uh, for a long time. Isn't that fairly recent to know that the brain actually is fluid in that way?
0: Yeah. She also did... um, uh, something else where she was um, doing something called, we use an acronym called must MUSTM, I can almost never say that, but it's musical speech stimulation. Okay. So basically that's using songs. Um, and sometimes people use rhymes or chants or musical phrases to stimulate speech. And so when you look back and you see if you were to get on YouTube today, you could see, I think ABC did a, a clip on her during her therapy, think you see her singing a song and that's basically the again getting the singing centers of the brain activated to a tune that she already knew that was in her brain and activating those centers to get them going and firing and then again working those um centers into language again. Um getting her going. Kicking it off. It's like jump starting a car.
1: That's fantastic. (laughs) That is really interesting. And did you find because you were talking about minor thirds and intervals and and people who've done they're musicians we we learn about music theory we learn that the that there are all these notes and there's space between the notes, and all these notes have uh, uh, a relationship to each other, and so you were talking about a minor third before we were talking about sad songs or just something ev- or, or happy songs evoking going right into the emotional, the amygdala, right, the emotional part of our of ourselves. Have you found when you're doing this that that everybody responds to, to those that tonal minor third, or would be would there be some people who really need a different? Uh, interval that that resonates and helps the brain heal or is that or is that a, too specific and an esoteric question that that, that um, yeah, but in
0: my experience i I feel that most people do um, most people want i I'm not sure that I have that interval correct, just to be clear yeah but, I you know. know I feel like everybody really does respond the same to my, minor music. We have learned associations and musical expectations when we listen to music that we have developed since, believe it or not, before we're even born into the world. We are being programmed when we're even in utero to music. We are not just listening to our mother's heartbeat and breathing rhythms, but we're hearing lullabies usually being sung to us. And um, as we are listening to those, we are feeling feelings already associated with those music um musical songs and as we're born into the world we actually experience um which is really kind of amazing oxytocin is released the cuddle hormone so when your mother is singing to to you those lullabies you know it really helps you bond with your mother or your father um and there's a lot of neurotransmitters being released when you listen to music and back to the, the minor thing though, but you, you're, you're, I think I saw something recently that said 40% of your life as an adult, you are actually being exposed to music, even when you're not aware of it. So as a child, it's pretty much the same. You know, you, you're, your kid is going to be around music when you go out somewhere with them in a store, when you're in the car, when they're listening to the radio at home, when they're in front of the TV and they're going to be learning that this equals this, this sound equals this emotion through Sesame Street or whatever they're watching. And so we learn to make these associations with music. in Western music, happy is really loud, usually or generally louder, higher in pitch, faster and in major keys, and sad Mm -hmm. music is generally softer and slower and lower in pitch and in minor keys. And then as we begin to experiment on our own with sounds and rhythm, we begin to learn those musical patterns, and then you see us, you know, we get out our little pots of pans, and we start banging on them, and we we have our own way. We start expressing our own emotions, Um, and that leads to us learning, you know, what that is. And have you ever done the thing where you – down and watch a movie, and you change the soundtrack behind it and how it colors things completely differently. It's
1: well, really interesting. Amazing. No, I've not, I've not done that, but I could see I, I, sometimes the soundtrack is very distracting, and you know. yeah. Or we know, so when ominous, a particular kind of chord comes on in a very non subtle movie or TV show, and then we know, oh, something's about to happen. We, we're, we're cued in. The, the musical yeah. cue it is
0: a language without words that we are so programmed for that that's why it works with movies. It tells us something's happening. Someone's coming, something is going to be bad or this is going to be a love scene. And (laughs) and so we are all so programmed to musical language. It is the language of the heart without words, which is really fantastic when you think about it. Um, And so, yeah.
1: But Could be it, very long-winded to answer your question. No, no, that's perfect. <laughs> if, if we, of course, if we are having this conversation in Japan or China or uh, Korea or uh, in a, a, a non-Western tonal language, maybe even some uh, Native American uh, tonal music uh, and and such, we would have a different concept of of uh, what's soothing and what's not. Would we not, because that, we're we're it's very cultural- and we don't want to be culture centric that you know everyone's going to love Beethoven, you know
0: that's so true or, and you or know,
1: major keys you know we have atonal, we have India go to India, and there the music is totally microtones and tiny little connections, and that you know would be very soothing to uh, an Indian child, you know.
0: It's true. And honestly, it's really amazing the difference between our Western ears and ears from other cultures. Our ears hear a certain type of scale. And like you're saying, you know, people from other cultures, say from India or from Eastern cultures, they have microtones in between our notes that they hear that we do not necessarily hear. So when we listen to our music, it to their music, it sounds sometimes very different um and we may not associate it in the same way that they do but generally a lot of the same they've done studies generally a lot of the same stuff transfers so when they listen to our music they still understand the the uh, translation of happy and sad which is interesting however it is really important to know and i'm really glad you brought it up that It is that some cultures hold music in a very holy, sacred place and in a way that we don't. And, I mean, you think about many cultures, it is their oral tradition. And it was the vehicle that held their history and their knowledge of their people, all their spiritual beliefs, their entire culture. And like Native Americans, for example, and just playing music willy-nilly the way we do, it's just always there in a restaurant, you know, in, um, in your car is just not something some cultures will do because it is so sacred. It is held. You don't play music unless you have certain rituals done first or, you Mm. know, it's certain settings. So, um, it is, it is a very different way of looking at it, which I think is really something interesting.
1: Absolutely. Um, if you have just tuned in, by the way, um, this is Healthy Options on WERU. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and our guest today is Melissa Violet, board-certified neurologic music therapist. And we are learning all about different ways that different modes and sounds and, and music uh, and genres will affect us emotionally and how our brains work with with this. What... um. You were did you you had something prepared for us? Do you wanted to do a uh, a little bit of a, a practice? Was there was there something, or uh, should we not do that now? Well,
0: or? actually, um, I just wanted to give some notes to people about things that you can do to use their like music in your life to enrich your life. Um, because I feel like I have a lot of information for people, and um, I just think that I think about music probably in a way that most people don't, maybe a little deeper. And so I wanted to share some things that you can do to enrich your life with music.
1: Sure.
0: Um, One of the things that I want to talk about is soundscaping. Uh, I feel like this is a really important thing. The way you use music is so important in your personal life. You really can use music in your home to create a sacred space or wherever you are, even in your office, um, music is akin to paint on your walls. And if you think about what I was talking about, music uh, in movie soundtracks, the same is true. If you were to think about your life being a movie, and that sounds a little egocentric, but <laughs> if you just kind of frame it that way, when you get home, what is what do you want that movie to look like do you want it to be a peaceful, happy, sunny movie? Or do you want it to be something with lots of energy? You, you can soundscape that. You can create your own soundtrack. Um, think about that. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. A lot of, um, it just kind of depends on the time of day too. Do you wanna be settling down at the end of the evening, playing music that helps you to do that? Do you want to be helping yourself wake up in the morning playing music? You're probably already doing that. <laughs> but just being aware that music and soundscaping really can take you to the next level. Um, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Um, you can use music to help you with playlists for yourself. For example, if you are processing some anger or some grief or sadness, Music is a really good way to do that. And I did mention before when we were talking about how certain songs carry feelings. They can almost be triggers for you. And say that you are somebody that is experiencing a lot of grief about something or a lot of anger. You might have a song that makes you, and you probably will, feel very strongly about that situation or a few. And so what I would recommend is making it yourself playlists that start out with these songs, but end with songs that bring you back to a space where you feel calm and peaceful. And I would say the way I would word it is help you tap back into the part of yourself where you feel you are connected to your highest and best. Does that make
1: sense? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you're saying this because we don't know what that would be for everybody, do we? I mean, I remember um, meeting someone who was absolutely devoted to heavy metal, hard rock. And when she would have massages, that would be the soundtrack of her massage. And that would calm her nervous system and that would that would be, that's it. I just feel really centered when I'm listening to that. It's for many of us, we're going, really? That's totally counterintuitive. <laughs> or I'm really sad and I'm not interested in, you know, peppy, happy music. I really want something. It's almost like working something out by listening to something minor key. Something, it's not necessarily we're trying to, it's, we calm our nervous systems in so many ways, don't we? So when you're saying a soundscape, it's not necessarily obvious unless to others what that may be for you, Is would right. you say? I, I, yeah. I, I yeah, mean,
0: nobody can make that list but you. Right. Because, like I said, everybody's taste is different. Uh, everybody is so shaped by their life experiences and by their taste and it's like your taste in food and your taste in art it's just so subjective and music is so personal and like you said you know what heavy metal does for that person will not be the same for what it does for you maybe but it is the connections that that person has the associations that person has with the music and that's what it does and when she's listening to that music what's happening inside her brain is amazing. Yes. There are so many things that are happening as far as the neurotransmitters go. Um, it's, it's really pretty fantastic. And I think one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, not just learned associations we were talking about before, but there's musical expectations. So when she's listening to her music and she's getting excited because she knows the song and there's parts of the song that she really loves that she's getting excited about and you know when you're listening and you get that like goosebumps
1: those chills down
0: your spine right Mm -hmm. and it's because it's activating all those reward centers in your brain and these are the same centers in your brain that are activated when you're eating chocolate during sex (laughs) when you're um you know drinking or god forbid doing drugs but studies show that these are the centers that are activated Even when you're just imagining the song, not even listening to it, which is amazing to me. So your brain gets really aroused and rewarded and activated by the songs your brain targets as emotional, whether those are heavy metal songs or that's Mozart. It just depends on what you connect with. So, And then when you have that part in the song, that peak spot, and you know what it is and you know when it's coming and you're just like anticipating it and you're listening and you're sensing it and you're really enjoying the song and then that part happens and it peaks then I have to tell you that there's a word for that and it's kind of funny, it's called an eargasm
1: <laughs> <laughs> Eargasm It's an eargasm Okay so everyone you know
0: an, <laughs> There it is, yeah. we've
1: learned a new word We're at the price word, of admission here Okay
0: <laughs> We'll never forget it But when that happens you have a massive flood of dopamine released in your brain, a big burst of it, and it hits all your reward centers. And they've, they've looked at MRIs and EEGs, and they have all this information that backs this up with science. So it really does. It stimulates your neurotransmitters. and It also helps with alpha and theta waves, and it improves your mood. It improves, improves your sleep, your pain tolerance. It even helps with things like cravings for junk food, <laughs> um and cortisol, this stress hormone that makes everybody feel anxious, this actually helps with that. Helps again, d-
1: helps it release or, or resolve. Yeah. It ex it does reduces. the one that everybody sees in the commercials that they're like, cortisol makes you fat. Yeah,
0: that's Uh-oh. the one it helps resolve. And then again, it is the cuddle hormone, oxytocin gets released too. So think about the flood of good Neurochemicals that are being released in our brain for heavy metal, and then
1: it makes sense, you know, you, you right for understand. that individual. Now <laughs> for that person, right for someone for you, else, it'll be something. It's yeah, got to be Eliza totally. gilkison for somebody else. It's got to right. be music. It's hard to believe, but true. Uh, for some, <laughs> for someone else, I'm sorry, no judgment. Everyone's got their thing. So, um, yes, this is so good. So. The, i I'm, I want to come back to something you just threw in you know in passing if these are the same brain centers and the same neurological firing or relaxing uh, indicators in 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 our brains for drugs for alcohol yeah. uh for loving someone for all of this, it would seem that this would be a really interesting adjunct for therapy for addicts to get so you don't have so if you're getting if you're taking heroin and getting that high or whatever you're doing how could we learn since we already learned that we can bypass the damaged areas we can we can learn to work with the different stimulation wouldn't we want to then be activating those you know lovely endorphins and and that kind of thing, for someone who's addicted, to try to mimic that in another manner. What is that? Yeah. I imagine that's being done, or we hope it is. If not, we have a great idea here, and let's go off and do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is being done, actually. There are music therapists that work in substance abuse treatment centers all over the country. Music is the original mood-altering, non-fattening wonder drug. Ask your doctor if music is right for you. Common side effects include, but are not limited to, spontaneous happiness, increased memory and motor functioning, connection to others, movement of the feet and head, and the occasional persistence of catchy melodies. (laughs) That's
1: great. That's good. (laughs) So we can use this for heart disease. We can use this for uh, depression. We could use this for anxiety. We can use this. Yes. Wow. Yeah.
0: And I want to say about the playlist, this is a really good way to feel the things that you need to feel deeply, but move past those feelings because you really do want to bring yourself back to a good space. So feel the songs that trigger those feelings, but then play the songs that help you come back and find your highest self. Find that song that you're listening to when you're in a spiritual space that makes you feel closest to source and makes you want to keep fighting and makes you feel like this too shall pass and I have this and I am strong and I'm going to keep fighting and that's what you end on. It's really important. And I also highly recommend that you seek someone to help you on this path because You don't have to do it alone and i am providing free music therapy services for a limited time through the behavioral health center and it's really good to have someone help you with processing so i am here if you are interested in that and all you have to do is call the mount desert island hospital behavioral health center their number is 207-288-8604 i also wanted to clear something up that you mentioned in the intro just so that there's no confusion um i am Running an internship program for the uh, American Music Therapy Association. I am um, a uh, approved music therapy American Music Therapy Association internship program.
1: What does that mean? Um, yeah, so, so I, I know I was reading this, going, "Wow, what is Yeah, good. Clarify, <laughs> Melissa, please." Yeah, sure. Um,
0: what that means is that when you uh, are getting your degree in music therapy, you have to do a six month internship. And the American Therap- Music Therapy Association has certain standards for internship to make sure that there's quality. And uh, you have to go through a process, basically to apply. And um, I've been running the music therapy, the only music therapy internship program in Maine since 2016 now. And so yeah, I'm a national roster program. That's what that
1: means. So we can also, we'll, we'll put all this on the uh, website when we archive this, and we'll get all those numbers again. Um, so if someone's interested in this as a career as well, that that you could be a resource considering you're training people now, that that, that could be a good thing for people to uh, check out if, if they're interested.
0: Yeah. yeah, definitely. I find that I love my job. I feel like it is what I was really meant to do in this life because it combines music, which was my first love in this world with helping people, which is something that I want to do in this life. And I hope that one day when my time is done in this earth, I can look back and I know I will feel really good about <laughs> the way I use my time. So well, and wonderful. We, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah. sorry. I keep Go ahead. No,
1: no, we're, we're interrupting each other. It's hard on the phone. We don't see each other. No verbal, <laughs> no visual cues here. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like music is one of the best ways that you can find happiness in this life, and it's also one of the cheapest ways. You know, Colin, for example, his show was really wonderful. I was listening to it before this started, and I was having such a great time. His music choices were wonderful. You really can gift yourself music very cheaply, and it is a very therapeutic thing you can do for yourself. And I recommend if you're going through a hard time right now, and uh you just need something to lift your spirits, buy that new album that dropped that you wanted. You know, it's better than investing in something like a cup of coffee that's just gonna make you feel good for a few minutes. You know, buy a service that allows you to listen to any song that you want to listen to at any time you want it. I have one of those, and after living with it for a year or so now, I honestly cannot imagine living without all of music at my fingertips whenever I want it. (laughs) But
1: but then, of course, you have to listen to your community radio station, WERU, because you might be introduced to something you didn't know was exactly the kind of thing that you needed to hear but you didn't know about it because we all have our, our little boxes of what we think is what we like. And then all of a sudden, something like a, an ERU will play and you'll go, Wow, I had no idea I like that kind of music. I better add that to my uh, my uh, my list here. I better put it on my uh, musical survey. <laughs> you have done that for me. Your
0: shows have done that for me. I have been listening to your shows and driving and heard a song that just blew my mind, and it was from some artist I'd never heard of before, and I thought, I love that so much, and immediately went out and purchased the piece of music because I just couldn't live without it, and you guys gave me that.
1: There
0: so. you go. Thank you.
1: So Thank le- you. I, let me, some people may be thinking, some people, you know, we're very musical, we're musicians, many people are, or they enjoy music. Some people would say, and, and I know that this happened in certain, in, back in the in the day, where, no, you can mail the words, but you really can't carry a tune, so you can't participate. Or, I'm really atonal, I can't hear the tones. Even if you are that person or for whatever reason, would you say that still there's you're still being affected by, by sounds and music? What, what do you say to the person who doesn't say they're musical?
0: I say that we all are all musical. And if you feel like you're tone deaf, first of all, that's very rare. Yes. And, and I feel like most people are very shy about sharing their music that say that uh, because music is the language of the heart and when you sing for example you really are sharing a bit of yourself you're opening your heart to someone else and that's a vulnerable thing I think when people have say that to me usually somebody in the past has said to them you can't sing and usually it's when they were a little kid and they were very impressionable and very vulnerable and it was some horrible adult with an ego problem. <laughs> I hate to say that, but, yeah. you know, and it, what that person does is steals music from that person for the rest of their life, and it makes me so mad. I just want to get in a time machine and go back in time and slap them in the face. I'm sorry, because what they have done is <laughs> well, quite Okay. Right. I know. It just, does, <laughs> it just makes me so mad, because what that person does is steal something that is just one of the best gifts that humans have, and in expressing that language in a way, you know, from from the heart. It is it is emotion. It is, and and it's a terrible thing. So here's what I want to say. Um, you're musical. All of nature is musical. Your body is musical. Your breath, your footsteps, your heartbeat, your voice is musical. And don't ever let anybody tell you that you are not musical also nature is musical the wind the trees the ocean everything around you is musical life is music and so it's just not true and, and I want to tell you too a lot of people say hey do I have to be a musician to benefit from music therapy and you do not and there's different levels for people of comfort some people come to music therapy and they've participate in a passive way so they receive music they receive live music from me or they receive we do recorded music together and that's fine and some people are like you and like me and they just are very comfortable with expressing it and it's just something that has been fostered in them and ease and so it is just some way that we can really use that But there is no, oh, well, music therapy equals you have to do this. No, you don't. And I think because therapy is about being in a safe space with somebody, you allow that person to be wherever they're at in their comfort zone. And in time, usually what happens is people give it a try. They might start out saying, I can't, and I just want to listen. But they realize that I don't listen to people in a way like, oh, that was flat, or, oh, you're not, you know, I'm listening for the expression of a person's heart and soul and what's inside there. I'm never listening for musical perfection. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I might be working with something that's not even related to that. I might be, for example, working with somebody on uh, breathing exercise recently working with somebody uh, who was trying to do some lung strengthening and so he was literally breathing in and singing out a note and trying to sing it for as long as he could hold it and do you think I was listening for how it sounded? No. I was just like keep going, keep going you've got this and that was what it was about. It was just not even in my mind to be thinking oh how good does this sound right now? (laughs) It's just not what it's about and if it was then it wouldn't be music therapy
1: at all so it would be a vocal say, training class, yes.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's Totally a different, different bird. So,
1: yeah. So you really so you're using this now in? Uh, is this a new program at Mount Desert, the hospital that you're doing? Or, yeah, it's a pilot program. It's just launched,
0: and I'm very excited about it. I also have been like you said, working at Birch Bay as a music therapist and also the swing bed unit of the hospital. Uh, well, I've been at Birch Bay since 2015 now.
1: And that's so a retirement just, village, so you're working with a specialized uh, group, or is it uh, just in general, everybody who lives there can have music therapy?
0: I primarily work with dementia there,
1: right. but it
0: is for everybody there. I also work with members of the Don and Beth Strauss therapeutic day program there and i work on the assisted living wing and we also have it as an option for people that are independent as well we have uh, a couple things available for independent people but the majority of my time is spent on the dementia care unit and i just love working with my people there i i can't tell you how enjoyable it is Every day.
1: That's wonderful. I know that this is also really helpful for children and for teens. Um, is, is there a place in Maine that's offering that for kids in need or, you know, whether... There they have chronic illnesses or whether they just need to, you know, I know on the autistic spectrum that musical instruments and singing has been part of therapy for forever. Is there something available that you're aware of? I hate to put you on yeah. the spot there, but who's no, working with no. that population? Because I think that's important, too.
0: Yeah, actually, I'm so glad you brought that up. The music therapists, a lot of our music therapists in Maine, we recently got together, and we put together a website. It is www.mainemusictherapy.com, and on the website, you will find a map for all of Maine, and if you look at the map, you can find out what music therapists are near you and what their specialty is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and uh, we even have in our area here one of our other music therapists Carla she is working and she is uh somebody that travels and does all different populations including working with children oh that's in various yeah in various
1: different um, melissa as you can hear we're coming to the end of our show we could continue for for hours here we'll get all all of that information on the website and uh on the archives so please uh Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest on Healthy Options has been Melissa Violet, board-certified neurologic music therapist at Birch Pay Retirement Village and Mount Desert Hospital in Bar Harbor, Maine. Uh, thank you, Melissa, for joining us. We'll have links to this program and to other information that was mentioned when we post the show in the public affairs archives at weru.org. In the meantime... If you missed any part of this program or would like to share it, go to WERU.org to find our e- uh, recent programs on demand. Thank you for uh, John, uh, for engineering, to Petra Hall for production assistance. And as always, thanks to all of our WERU listeners and supporters. Do support community radio and all the public affairs programming here at WERU. This is Rhonda Fiming. Feynman, yes, can, can I get my name right? Rhonda Feynman, wishing you the best in health. Be sure to join us for Maine Current's independent local news, views, and culture featuring the voices of our community with your host, Amy Brown, here on the first Thursday of every month at 10 a.m. only
0: here on Community Radio WERU-FM.
1: Democracy Now! produces a daily, global, independent news hour hosted by award-winning journalists Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez. Their reporting includes breaking daily news headlines and